Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tiffany. Boy, this is a good turnout for Labor Day weekend. I got this, this panic text yesterday from Jason, who's under the weather, so be praying for Jason. The Pastor Scott, I'm sick. Can you cover worship for me? And we thought that like all of our worship leaders and instrumentalists will be gone, so we said, yeah, we'll go ahead and put something together. Now I'm looking around. We've got all these instrumentalists and worship leaders. You guys could have played today, but that's okay. We don't mind. But uh, what a great turnout for Labor Day. And uh, I do want to mention two other things that are in the back there, just real quickly. We'll be highlighting our fall ministries next Sunday, as Pastor Tiffany mentioned, for our fall kickoff. But there is a couple of sign-up sheets. One of them is for our seniors' uh, lunch that is going to be starting. Uh, Each month there will be a seniors' lunch, and you can talk to Brother Phil about that. And there's a sign-up sheet you can put on there. The other is for... Um, a class that we're doing, uh, our general Bible class is going to be upstairs, and we're going to do a series in prophecy at the book of Revelation. I'll be teaching that. But then Deborah is going to be teaching an exciting class on the fundamentals of the faith. If you are either newer to the faith or maybe you need a review, because sometimes we need that review, uh, that is going to be available too. Both of those will be on Wednesday nights starting this fall, and there's a sign up sheet for Deborah's class in the back because we'll be ordering books for that. We want to get kind of an idea of who will be there. So a couple of neat midweeks classes for you guys. And hey, good to see you, James. And uh, so we're excited about things. There's more things happening with men and women, and we'll be talking to you more about that later. But let's get into the Word this morning. This is just a one-Sunday sermon. Next week, we'll start a new series for the fall. But I felt that this will be a great thing to speak on today, and it's entitled, I Will Do a New Thing. And it's God speaking to us as His people that He's doing something new, something exciting, and it comes from Isaiah chapter 43. So if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 43, and uh, I, I, I love this book. Isaiah is one of these powerful prophets, and it's chock full of great um, truths from his word of what he did both in ancient times and what he is doing today, because oftentimes prophecy is for the people at that time, but it's prophetic for things that will come and for God's people in years to come. And so this applies to us we're going to look at 43, we're going to read from verse 16, and this is what it says. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together, they shall not rise, they are extinguished, they are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it, or do you not perceive it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let's just stop there for right now. Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds for the next few minutes. God, we thank you that you are always moving, O Lord. Lord, you didn't just move back in ancient times in the Old Testament or the New Testament and then stop. You are moving by your Spirit every day. And you have a plan and a purpose for us, and you have exciting days for the church, even though they are vicarious times and troubled times, and yet exciting times for your church. Thank you that we get to be a part of that, O Lord. And bless this time, help us to understand your word and put it into practice. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, 
as we take a look at this passage of Scripture, the first thing I want to say is this. God does not want us to dwell on the past. We are to look forward to the future. And that might seem kind of odd because we're supposed to be thankful for what he's done. Amen? And remember those things and to celebrate those things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we're going to get to the heart of the matter here. Um, How many like photo albums? Any photo album people? Now, it's a different day and age today. Um, For years, it was actually you had to send in your pictures. They would be processed. Of course, they had regular film, and now there's digital cameras, but you can still make prints. And uh, we have some photo albums, especially when our kids were younger, and uh, we have kind of this collection of them, these leather-bound photo albums, and we cherish those. My mom is picture crazy. Growing up, we could never have a moment's peace because my mom always had her camera ready. And any birthday, any event, any get, oh, let me take a picture. Let me, one, two, three, y'all got to pose, y'all got to wait. And, uh, and, and that's okay, you know, you cherish those memories. And nowadays, people are taking pictures of all kinds of ridiculous things because the phone is on the camera, right? Oh, look at this. I'm having sloppy joes here at the diner. Let me take a photo of that, and I'll throw that on Facebook. We don't care what you're eating. Or I can't believe I got this horrible injury. Like, have you taken, like, seen pictures of people's injuries online? We don't want to see your scabby knee that you, you know, spilt when you were having uh, fun out in the skateboards. We don't want to see that, right? So let's, let's be a little bit discriminatory. Let's pick and choose. Let's be selective to be effective. We don't have to take photos of everything just because we have a camera with us at all times. But that's the way it is today. But in the back of the day, you had to actually process the film. You had to have it develop. It costs money. And now you could just throw all your photos on, uh, on your computer, and they just scroll as your screensaver. But we celebrate the, the good things. And God does not want us to forget his blessings. Here he recounts his miracles apart in the Red Sea, <laughs> defeating Pharaoh's army. But then he instructs the Israelites, don't remember the former things. It doesn't mean that the miracles were unimportant, but what God was saying is that he doesn't want them to confine him to how he operated in the past, that this is the only way he's going to work. And he doesn't want them just to focus on that and forget about the future. Because you have to always take scripture into context. There's other scriptures that say, I will tell of your marvelous works. Look at the book of Psalms. I will declare your goodness and your faithfulness. God wants us to give him praise for the things he's done. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. The old song, he has done great things, right? I mean, we, we sing those because he wants us to give him praise. That gives pleasure to our heavenly father. But he doesn't want us just to dwell on that and forget the fact that he's moving now and he has a plan for us today, and he has a plan for us tomorrow, and he might do it a little bit differently than how he did it in the past. Um, how many remember the overhead projectors, right? Before PowerPoint and ProPresenter and all the great applications, it was overhead projector. And uh, we pastored, uh, were on staff at a church in in Washington, where it was a big building, it sat about 900 people, so we had to have two overhead projectors, and that was pretty high-tech, one on this side and one on that side, and they all had to be synced up, because you can't get behind, and, and what they did, which was very special, is had a piece of paper like this, and you go down line by line, 
like, ooh, what's that next line going to be? The anticipation would just kill you. It's like, what's that next line going to be? Oh, sure enough, it's what I thought it was. And they had to be synced up and make sure they did it together so that it made sense because you don't want to get ahead. You don't want to fall behind. So the overhead projector, that was the technological means by which we sang and praised for years. And then came the slides. The slides were like this flash in the pan, very short-lived way before PowerPoint really got popular. And I was on staff at a church with that, let's get our worship on slides. That'll be really high-tech. They're color, and they're all professionally printed, and they just project them from the back. And about a year later, then PowerPoint took over. We wasted all this money on slides, and then we wound up changing to PowerPoint anyways. Um, things change, right? Methodology will change. But this is point number two. God's mission of love and his message of truth never change. But the methods to share it may. Just like I'm talking about. Technology, maybe the strategies. Um, we live in a post-church, post-modern society. You may hear that. What does that mean, Scott? Well, that means that people today didn't grow up going to church. Like, some of us did. Now, you know, I, when I was a kid, a lot of people went to church, but still not everybody. But if you go back 50, 60, 70 years, most people were in church on Sunday, especially in the, the farming communities. If you go to the South in the United States, I'm a dual citizen, so I've got, you know, heritage from the South and I have heritage from the North. Um, a lot of people were in church. That was a socially acceptable and expected thing to do. Now, you might not be living for Jesus during the week. You know, you might be hitting the bars and carousing and doing, but you're on church on Sunday, and you know the basics of the tenets of faith. You know about Jesus. You know the Ten Commandments. Back in the day, there was prayers in school. Uh, you know, those things were standard. That was commonplace. And there was, a, a, let's be honest, more of a moral fabric to society, and we've seen that deteriorate more and more as we push God out of our schools and out of our courthouses. Well, what do you get? You get the opposite of his goodness. And so we're seeing the effects of that in our world today. But his mission of love and message of truth never change, but the methods to share it may. So now when we are reaching out to people, we have to keep in mind that they don't understand the basic fundamentals of the faith that people did 50 years ago. They don't know who Jesus is. I mean, for all they know that, you know, he's some sort of a, a little character and nativity set during Christmas time that they see in the shopping mall. Oh, that's a nativity. I, I guess that's baby Jesus. But they don't know why he came, who he is, what his mission on earth was. Uh, they couldn't tell you the basic uh, uh, understanding of Christianity. It's just a whole blank slate so we have to start from square one, right? And teach people the fundamentals of the faith and teach them about Jesus from the ground up. And that's okay. That's what we're called to do. We just need to know that we're supposed to do that. And now we live in a post-church society. Um, things will change. The Bible does not stipulate exactly how church should be done. Did you realize that? There's nowhere in Scripture that says we have to sing one hymn and four choruses. Or we have to have a service for an hour and 15 minutes, and then we're done. Or we need to have, you know, certain people use an utterance gift in the Pentecostal church, or this or that. Um, it, it doesn't stipulate exactly how. Now, it tells about the gifts of the Spirit. We love that, and how they should be used properly. That's in Corinthians. But as far as how we do church, 
Uh, it's, it's only very, uh, a very basic uh, direction that Scripture gives. Uh, they met in, in homes because they were house churches in those days. The church was being persecuted under Nero's reign, under the thumb of Rome. So they could meet in the synagogues, but even they were still subject to the supervision of the Roman government. If there was any thought of sedition or troublemaking, uh, the Roman government could come in and impose martial law and do what they needed to do. But the Christian church, followers of Christ, they were meeting in homes. They were meeting in houses. And whereas in the synagogue they used to be on Saturday on the Sabbath, the Bible says that the new converts met on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. That's why we meet on Sunday. We follow the tradition of the, the new converts in the New Testament church. And so um, that's all good, but you know what? In different parts of the world, they might do things a little bit differently. Maybe they have church for three hours. Maybe they have church for one hour. Maybe they do Saturday night services. Maybe they do Sunday night services. Maybe they do cell groups. The main thing is that we are making disciples and becoming like Jesus every day. Amen? Uh, when the Bible tells us in Hebrews, don't forsake the fellowship of yourselves together, that, that's an important instruction. Don't stop meeting together. Why? Because we need to encourage each other in the faith. Amen? We need each other. No man or woman is an island. And so if you think, oh, I don't really need it, well, that's not what the Bible says. We do need it. I do, and I think you do too, because we encourage each other. Iron sharpens iron. We spur one another on towards love and good works. Now, becoming culturally relevant doesn't mean we compromise our message. You know, it's interesting in churches. Um, uh, there's different ways to do things. And we pastored several churches through the years, both in the United States and in Canada. We've been a part of different churches. We've visited different churches. Some, uh, it's like very, it's very seeker-friendly, and that's okay. And, uh, and so, um, you know, got to make sure that we have the right kind of coffee in the foyer. By the way, we're planning to bring coffee back. So you say praise the Lord? All right, we're looking forward to that. You'll see it here this fall. Uh, but it can't just be any coffee. For some, it's got to be Starbucks. And we've got to have Krispy Kremes, not just the Safeway donuts. We need Krispy Kreme donuts because we've got to get those sinners in here, and they're not going to come unless we have the right kind of donuts. Well, it's like I think the love of God and, and His truth and His Holy Spirit can also draw them besides pastries, but that's just me, right? Um, but, you know, they put a lot of onus in that, and, and sometimes it's very programmed. We're going to have exactly this many songs. I was on staff at one church, and the pastor I worked with, and I won't mention his name, he's a good guy, he's a friend of mine, but he had it programmed down to the minute of the service, how it would happen. And it was just the way he wants, very structured. So this will go this, and at this time, the doors were open at a certain time, and each song gets a certain amount of time, and then the announcement, I mean, it was structured down to the minute and I was like, okay, I, I like an order of service, but, you know, I like some freedom and flow too. That's, you know, different strokes for different folks. But God gives us some latitude there. He doesn't get hung up on the details. He knows that we have different styles. There's different personalities. Different things will be effective in certain areas that are maybe less effective in other areas. I, I was a kid in the Fiji Islands as a missionary's kid growing up. And, uh, and there they call it coconut time. The Fijians, they will show up an hour late to service, and the services will go for three hours. And it's just very laid back. Nobody gets really that worried about it. You know, we're going to start singing, and, and we're going to be singing for a long time. 
and it's going to be preaching a long time, so if you come late, if you go, well, and, and, and so you just take your time. And, and it was a wonderful thing. Now, you know, in North America, it's a different structure, isn't it? doesn't quite fly here. But I think maybe a little more freedom and a little less uh, observant of the clock would be a good thing in our church. Amen? Let's always let God do what he wants to do in our lives and in our services. Um, his message of love and truth never change. Our foundation is in the word of God. He never changes. The word says there's no shadow of turning in him. Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you believe that, say amen. That gives me comfort in a changing world and a very confused, uh, convoluted culture and society where now, you know, everything is up for debate and there's no absolutes according to secular uh, leaders today. But we know that there are moral absolutes. There is right and wrong. There is a way to live. There is a heaven and there is a hell. There is a God and there is a devil. There is a truth that will lead to everlasting life, and it's the word of God. Amen? And it doesn't change. It doesn't change. And it's as applicable today in 2022 as it was in the days that Jesus walked the earth. His word never changes, and it is alive and powerful, and as Hebrews says, sharper than a two-edged sword. Number three, God desires to minister to us and through us in a new and fresh way. He's saying, uh, you know, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I'm, I'm going to make a road in the wilderness. In other words, where there doesn't seem to be a way, God can make a way. I mean, that can preach right there for the next half hour. He makes a way, amen? And in the dry and thirsty land, he brings pools, he brings rivers, he brings water. He is the, the water of life. He refreshes and renews us as we wait upon him every day. He renews our strength. But he wants to minister to you and through you. We come to church not only so that we can be ministered to. That's part of the reason. You say, well, Pastor Scott, I can do that at home. Well, that's true. But at home, can you minister to somebody sitting next to you who maybe has had a bad week? And God all of a sudden prompts your heart, you need to pray for that person. Or you need to just encourage him or say, you know, those are the opportunities that we can't do, unfortunately, when we're not in fellowship. And again, we love our online church. And for those watching online, we're glad you're connected with us. There's some that can't be here. And we want to provide a way for everybody to worship together. And we can increase our reach as a church ministry. And the more people we can minister online, they're connected. They're part of this family too. But I tell you, all of us need to have that personal connection. Find a way to do it, whether it's Sundays, whether it's ministry. Uh, I had one of our uh, attendees, one of our regular folks to come and say, Pastor, I'm going to be working uh, on Sundays once September hits, but I want to come on Wednesday. That's going to be my connection point. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. You know, you can get your fellowship there, but we all need the fellowship of the saints. Amen? Amen. And I love coming together on Sundays to worship together in Him. You know, it's interesting, sometimes things happen in a new and fresh way, and I remember the first church that we pastored, I mentioned this before, was in Des Moines, Washington, it's a suburb of Seattle, 15 minutes south of Seattle, you hit Des Moines, and we inherited this big old building that sat, well, it sat about 350 people, had a balcony, probably about the size of this facility, but it had been shut down, sitting dormant. Rats running through the place, garbage in, in half the Sunday school rooms, and our job was to clean it up, 
rehab it, and then start a new church. And it was a lot of work. But, uh, you know, God was revealing his truth and his love. And, and the neat thing is, is that as we begin to go to work, God would send us people and, and send us workers because he gives us workers for the harvest. But stuff would happen there that I did not expect. Um, we had an outtake valve for our furnaces. And there was a, a, a little pipe in the ground and the oil company would come and they would fill up the oil and that powered our furnace. We had two Christian education wings with Sunday school rooms. So we had one wing here and when we, when we fixed up the building, we had to put uh, fire rated doors. I was a young pastor, 30 years of age. First church I pastored, I had been an associate for several years before that. And so we got down there and all of a sudden I was informed, okay, you gotta meet with the city planner for South King County. And this is King County, this is Seattle. And you got to meet with a fire marshal, and they'll give you a plan. And, and so we had an X amount of months. And all of a sudden, I'm like a, a contractor and, and doing things I had never done before. And I'm this young guy meeting with people that were much older than me and say, yeah, we want to start a church. Uh, what do we need to do to get it? So they were, would mandate different facility upgrades that we had to do. So 20 new fire-rated doors for the CE wing. Those are expensive. Those are a heavy core door where it takes a long time to burn through in the event of a fire. We had to put in a wheelchair lift. We had to put in handrails. We had to have an egress study on the facility. What is that? That means you hire an architect and they look at the plans you have and they have to update those plans and make sure that all the safety protocols are met. So all these things I had never done before but for the first time, I'm doing it, and God gave us the help and the wisdom and guided us through the process, and he even gave us favor with these people. In fact, the city planner, I don't know if he ever went to church, but he said, okay, tell you what I'm going to do, Scott. I'm gonna, if you do this amount now, then I'll let you start. January of 2000 was our launch date, and I'm going to give you some time to do the other things over time. And in fact, he showed up one day, he says, hey, my son and I, we, uh, he had a young son, and he had this big plastic boat that was about like eight feet long and about four or five feet high, the kind you put in the backyard, you can climb on it. He says, you know, we wanted to donate to this, this to you guys for your nursery. Would you like this boat? Here's the city planner, Bob Myers. I said, yeah, that's great, thank you. So he's actually donating to the cause and uh, helped us, and he worked with us, and we started off. And so we launched the church, and God began to send the people. Started with no people, no people. My family and I borrowed about four people from the local AG church that we borrowed for a few months, and they were my worship team slash ushers slash breeders. They kind of they'd be up here and help me play, and then they go to the back, and and we only had them temporarily. And God began to send in the people, and uh, you know, in about a year's time, we had almost a hundred people in that church. Praise the Lord. And after a couple years, about 120 people that, that were part of that fellowship. So God, he really helped us with that. And we give him all the glory. But we had this outtake valve, talking about new experiences. And one day I showed up to church and somebody for a joke or just to be uh, bad and do something in vandalism, they took a water hose and they stuck it down the oil intake valve and they flushed out they turned on the water, and I got there with all of this oil all over the soil. And it was a mess. And uh, 
here, just like there, you can't just clean that up. It's oil in the soil, so we had to call in FOSS Environmental, and we had to have it professionally cleaned up. And uh, there was a, we had a couple little modular classrooms in the back, and, and so one of them, we had a little Christian school that was just starting there. So it affected the use of our building, and it destroyed our furnace. And, uh, and the oil was just made a mess. But you know what? You just go to plan B. So and when it gets cold, instead of using your furnace, that's what space heaters are for, amen? <laughs> and thankfully, the worship center was still fine, and the other CE wing was fine, but we had to kind of do a, a makeshift thing on that side. But every step of the way, God was showing me what to do and, and how to not only pastor the people and preach and teach, that's fine, but also how to deal with management, how to deal with outside influences, how to deal with catastrophes and conflict resolution. And, and God was showing me new things, and he wants, as a church, to show us some new things that he wants to use us in because we're in a new day and age, amen? So the stuff we did as strategies, our programs, and uh, our, our approaches back in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, uh, it, it might not be quite as effective today. Our, our methods might change a little bit. Now, don't worry. We're going to worship and praise and preach. Say, Pastor Scott, what are you saying? Hey, I love what we're doing right now. We're going to keep doing it, okay? So it's all good. We're going to preach the word and we're going to praise the Lord. But different classes, different things, different approaches, different outreach events, um, you know, just don't be surprised if it's a little different tomorrow than it was yesterday because we want to be as effective as we can to reach people today with the truth and love of Jesus. It's all about reaching them for Jesus, so that people will know him, and then people will grow in him. Amen? You know, we want them to know him, and then grow in discipleship in Jesus Christ. So he ministers to you, and through you, and he will challenge you, you know what, I've got something different for you, in the new way I want to use you. And maybe you've always done it this way. God might say, now I'm going to do it that way. Are you ready? Are you willing to say yes to the Lord? And finally, number four, God desires a willingness. There it is. And faith and perception for the new things he plans to do. We need to decide if we're going to trust in God and his word, open up our hearts, open up our minds to the new work that he desires to do in us and through us. What is he speaking into your heart? What is he asking you to do? And are you listening? You see, he's speaking, but we got to be listening, amen? And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Just so you know, when I was young, I didn't want to be a pastor. You know what my comfort zone was? Music. I've been playing music ever since I was a kid and picking up different instruments, played in different bands, and I had no desire to be a pastor, just so, just so you're aware, this was not on my agenda, not on my to-do list. My dad was a pastor. It didn't look like any fun at all, you know, always dealing with people and their problems. And, and I mean, he pastored some good-sized churches, but somebody was always needing help and getting calls at home and at night. And what a pain in the neck. Deliver me. No, thank you. I'll play music for you, Lord. I'll play on my guitar. I'll play on my bass. But I don't want to do that. And sure enough, never say never, because God knew exactly that that's what you're supposed to do too, Scott. 
I did music for a little while, but then he made it very clear, no, I want you to be a pastor. And when I said yes, then I had that peace and that joy. And the best place we could be is in the center of his will. But I had, a new, I had to learn a whole new set of skills, you know, how to preach and teach and do different things. And he helped me through that process. He might want to use you in a new and a fresh way as well. Doesn't matter how old we are or how young we are, just say yes to Jesus. Lord, you direct, you lead, and I'll follow. Allow him to use you, but we need to have a willingness and a faith to trust him and to go with him and allow him to use you in a new and a fresh way. Can we all stand this morning? Let's all stand. I'll ask the team to join me up front here. Just bow our heads and close our eyes here as we just respond to the Lord this morning. Praise your name. He's so good. Jesus, right now, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us and that you are doing something new. Lord, we thank you that for everything there is a season. We praise you for the wonderful things you've done, oh God, throughout the years in our lives and in this church in this community, we celebrate that. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and faithfulness. But we also thank you, Lord, that you are doing a new thing. Lord, let us perceive it. Let us listen to our hearts. You desire to use us individually and also collectively as a church. Jesus, guide and direct us, we pray. Just with heads bowed and eyes closed, don't be looking around, please, just for a few moments as we pray. I want to ask you this question. If you say, Pastor Scott, I heard what you said. And to be honest with you, I know that I am not really living for Jesus the way I should. You might know about him. You might even come to church and go through the motions, but you know that you're not truly living for him as the Lord of your life, where he's on, on the throne of your heart, first place, where he's the Lord of your life. If you know that you're not living for him and you'd like to commit your life to him, it's the best choice you'll ever make. I encourage you, you can do that right now. And I'll pray with you right where you stand. Just slip up your hand if that's you and we'll pray for you this morning. You can get things right with God to know that he's your Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Second of all, if you're here and you say, Pastor Scott, would you pray for me? Because to be honest with you, I know that uh, God is speaking to my heart. He has something new for me. But I haven't been listening as I should, or maybe I haven't been willing to say yes and to move forward into those things. But I want to say yes to Him. If you're willing to trust Him and to be used in a new and fresh way, Slip up your hand. I want to pray for you this morning as well. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray right now, and if you raise your hand for either of these calls, I want you just to agree right along with me. We're going to pray together, and we're going to take it to him. Let's all join our hearts and our faith. Dear Jesus, right now, we thank you that you are with us. Thank you, Lord, that you're here right now in our midst by the presence of your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you for your love and your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, I pray right now for those who need to 
surrender their lives to you. Let them truly acknowledge you as the Son of God. We believe that you died on that cross, dear Lord Jesus, and you rose from the dead. And we choose to serve you now as Lord. We surrender all to you. Give you our lives as we serve you as the Lord of our life, Jesus. We make that commitment to you. And Lord, for those who know that you're speaking to their hearts, Lord, you've been prompting and prodding. We pray that we would say yes to you. We choose today, dear Jesus, that we're going to do those things that you've asked us to do. Go where you want us to go. Say what you want us to say. Do what you want us to do. Use us, dear Lord, fully and completely. We thank you now. Lord, we also pray right now, God, for Don, one of our regular attendees, as his niece just passed away of an overdose, Lord. I wanted to say a special, special prayer for Don and his family. Jesus, bring peace and comfort to them, we pray, O oh Lord. Lord, I pray that you would draw people to you through this tragedy, that you would draw souls to you, we pray. And wrap your arms of love and peace around them, we ask you, Jesus. We thank you that you are with us wherever we go. And whatever we go through, you never leave or forsake us. You are with us every day, dear Jesus, living within us by your Spirit. So we thank you and we love you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.